Morning, everyone. We are, uh, it's Wednesday, halfway through this week, and then uh, a couple more days, and then we hit the uh, uh, weekend, which is uh, downhill. You can fall forward into the, into the ending of the fast. Um, So we're on chapter 46 now. I, I think it's really neat and exciting um, because we had started Genesis chapter 1 uh, last year, 2019 January. So Genesis chapter 1, 2019 January 2nd, we started uh, this series. And then throughout the course of the year, uh, throughout Wednesday EMPs, we had continued on through Genesis uh, and then we're, we picked up again in, 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 in the chapter 30s for this year's fast. And the timing of it was spotlighted, pinpointed perfectly to the accounts of Joseph and his, or Jacob and his sons and Joseph uh, particularly. Uh, and you guys know that our theme this year is uh, stronger relationships, healthier relationships, uh, breakthrough in relationships. Uh, we want to be grounded first and foremost in our relationship with the Lord. Um, and we're also intentionally uh, in faith. I made a charge to everyone uh, towards the end of the year and early this year. In faith to step out and join your church and grounding yourself in terms of maintenance, but in a good way, uh, to focus on the relationships that matter most. Uh, your families, uh, your church, uh, your home, your community. Um, and so I really challenge and charge people to the extent of even turning down, if you have the option to, uh, uh, work commitments and leisure commitments and, 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 and really focusing on the home front. And, and, I, and I caveat that by saying it's not forever, it's not you know, for the next 10 years, but really like, any, like anything that wants to go the distance, like anything that's thinking for the long run, um, you know, maintenance is required. And uh, uh, certainly, you know, checking our hearts, uh, uh, checking our, 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 our most valued relationships with God and with family uh, will help, I t- absolutely believe, in the long run for wherever it is that God is taking you or for wherever it is that you, you desire to go. Um, so we just went through this whole um, incredible accounts of the story of uh, Jacob and, and Joseph in particular, and uh, how success or the blessing of God uh, was not simply material, um, and where, where many of would have thought the story would have ended, the promise of God, the test, and then the materialization of the, of the promise of God. Uh, but really, no amount of success uh, can cover up the brokenness that's, that, that roots from the home. And God also wanted to heal his family. And it would be through this family that God would bring healing to the nations. Um, so in chapter 46, we're, we're going to read today. Um, after these incredible accounts, uh, 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 just reads right out of a Hollywood movie. You know, great story, uh, uh, historical accounts. Um, the spotlight and the narrative now turns back to Jacob. And away from Joseph. And um, 
The whole family now is back in Egypt. They've been blessed. Uh, they're going to be given land. And um, we come to this scene where Jacob then again has an encounter with God. Um, so let's start from Genesis chapter 46, verse 1. So Israel set out with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices. And Israel is Jacob. To the God of his father Isaac, God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. He said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again. And Joseph will close your eyes. Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father, carried their father, Jacob, and their little ones and their wives in the, in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. They took their livestock and their property which they had acquired in the land of Canaan and came to Egypt, Jacob and all his descendants with him, his sons and his grandsons with him, his daughters and his granddaughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Now, these are the names of the sons of Israel, Jacob. And it goes on and it goes through all the genealogies from uh, Simeon and his children. Uh, 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 Perez, which we saw in chapter 38, uh, all the way down to all the sons. Um, talks about Rachel and Jacob and their sons, and uh, uh, all the way down to Joseph, uh, verse 27, sons of Joseph were born to him in Egypt, uh, were two, and it mentions uh, uh, Manasseh and uh, Ephraim. Now he sent Judah, verse 28, now he sent Judah before him to Joseph, to point out the way before him to Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen. Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as he appeared before him, he fell on his neck and wept and on his neck a long time. Then Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face, that you are still alive. Joseph said to his brothers in his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and will say to him, My brothers in my father's household who are in the land of Canaan have come to me, and the men are shepherds, for they have been keepers of livestock, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that, all that they have. When Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation? You shall say, Your servants have been keepers of the livestock from our youth, even until now, but both we and our fathers, that you may live in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is loathsome to the Egyptians." Um, the Egyptians look down on foreigners. Uh, uh, shepherds are, are loathsome. Um, and in so doing, in this context, Israel as a people, uh, by God's design, is able to be distinctly separate from the people. They don't intermarry. They don't intermingle. And so Israel is kept intact uh, and eventually the, the Messianic line and, and, and Jesus' uh, family line would come through that. Um, God has a purpose. Uh, God will set aside Israel um, through dietary laws. So if you couldn't tell by what they look like, if you couldn't tell by their uh, personal home practices, uh, you, you could simply tell who was a, a Hebrew or an Israelite simply by their dietary practices uh, from impure and unclean, uh, uh, you know, what they consider to be uh, kosher or not kosher. Um, and so these were all just ways that God would distinctly set aside a group of people 
through their language, through their culture, through their heritage, um, a lot of the practices that God implemented through Israel is in fact today, even if we don't understand culturally why Israel did certain things, even if we don't understand why God uh, uh, told them to circumcise, to sacrifice, to altars, to temples, uh, uh, atonement, you know, certain preparation for animals, even if we don't understand culturally why they did all that, we certainly as Christians today, modern day, can understand the symbolic references of the Old Testament to everything we attribute to Christ as our atonement, as our sacrifice, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, through the Holy Spirit, we have uncircumcised hearts, we're sensitive before God. Um, and so, so much symbolism and so much meaning and so much of the heart of God is conveyed through the people of Israel over thousands of years by the very practices. You know, sacrifice an animal, put the blood on the, on the doorposts. Uh, uh, and so, so much of what we understand about Jesus himself, about the uh, uh, heart of God himself, the requirements of God himself, a lot of that imagery and understanding and picture comes from thousands of years of the practices of Israel. So it's through this people who are being set aside uh, uh, um, that God will speak and convey His heart, um, judgment, and at the same time, mercy. And so it, it's, it's important when you read things like that, that, that God has a purpose and a plan, that He was set aside, that people were set aside... Um, and these people of about 70 uh, uh, men, 65 to 70 men that we just uh, glanced over the genealogies, uh, over the next 400 to 500 years would multiply rapidly, increasingly with the favor of God under the care of Joseph uh, or the relationships that were birthed out of Joseph. So the scene comes back to Jacob now. Uh, we had spent a lot of time on Joseph, and then in 46, it comes back to, to, to Jacob, and you know, it starts off with Abraham. Uh, the significance of Beersheba, Jacob, Israel, comes back to uh, uh, offer sacrifices in verse 1 at Beersheba, is the same place that his father, Isaac, offered sacrifices, or uh, is the same place where his great-grandfather, Abraham, had also lived. So both Abraham and Isaac father and grandfather had spent some time living in Beersheba. It was a significant place where they had encounters. And so Jacob, uh, uh, once he was young, had been there, uh, now much older, looking back, having grieved, having, you know, at a much older age, having grieved, having gone through ups and downs, having thought he lost a son. Uh, at one point he says, nothing but trouble has come in my life. Um, just a beautiful scene here. A very intimate scene between him and God. And I can almost imagine like uh, the moonlight beaming down on him next to a nice old, you know, thousand year old tree. And um, a very personal and very intimate conversation with Jacob and his God. At the very place where God had encountered uh, uh, Abraham and Isaac to the third generation here, now Jacob. Um, and his son comes, Joseph, with, with incredible success, incredible favor, incredible uh, resources, and says, now leave Canaan and come to Egypt and all the splendors of the kingdom and all the favor of the kingdom will be yours. 
And uh, Jacob's not sure. Jacob is actually, the scriptures tells us, he's afraid. God says to him, you know, meets him, Jacob, Jacob. And Jacob says, here I am. Jacob is familiar with God's voice. You know, many of us, God calls us or God speaks to us and, and we're unsure. God, is that really you? Oh, you, God, you, that certainly couldn't be you. And, and then we usually will let the busyness of our day or the demands of our day drown out the voice or the conviction of God. Or maybe something where, where we, we may not want to hear God for a certain context. Sometimes we do that. God is speaking to you in a context in which you've already moved forward in. And God is speaking. And God, is that you? Is that you? And, and oftentimes, conveniently, well, I'm not sure, so I'll just move forward. Um, I think it's quite telling that uh, all throughout the scriptures that those who know God intimately, the moment God speaks, their response is, here I am. Right? And even, even though, even uh, Apostle Paul, before he was Paul, when he was Saul, he thought he was serving fervently for God with all the passion of, of mankind, with all the fervor and as much as you can muster up in your religion. Saul absolutely believed he was doing what was right before the eyes of God, persecuting uh, uh, this opposing, until the Lord called him on the road to Damascus. And when the Lord called him, Saul was unfamiliar. And so Jacob says, here I am. And, and God needed to speak with him because God knew his heart. And uh, uh, God says, I am the God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. For I will make you a great nation. I will go down with you to Egypt. And I will also surely bring you up again. So one, uh, Jacob is in this place where he looks back. And it's it's a really uh, wonderful reflection point. He's just received favor and a blessing. and, and, And all that he had hoped for had been returned to him. And he offers sacrifices and thanksgiving. And so in in what capacity recently has God given you favor? In what capacity, whether really not too long ago or even past year 2019 or even the last decade, has God released or blessed you with favor? And have you used that opportunity as a reflection point to really give thanksgiving to God? Not just thanksgiving in your heart, but, but an act of thanksgiving. And so Jacob is uh, at this reflection point and, and uh, 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 reflecting, looking back on all that God has done and, and even looking at the places where he doubted God, even looking at the places where he absolutely grieved. And looking back in hindsight, he sees how faithful God is and how good God is. And it moves him to an act of sacrifice, of thanksgiving, of acknowledging God. In that place of seeking God willingly in that place of pausing intentionally from Canaan on the way uh, in Beersheba. He's both reflecting on the past and taking account in his heart of the very places where he questioned and grieved. And then in that conversation and encounter, now looking back and, and giving credit or giving thanks to God, And basically acknowledging, even in the worst moments of my life, God, you were still there. 
and, and here and now I want to take back maybe some of the things I thought or said of you. And here and now, God, I want my actions to show that I trust in you, that I believe in you, and to absolutely attribute and attest that you are good. And he does that. But it's also a reflection point now for him, looking back, giving thanks for all those places where he was worried, all those places where he weeped, all those places where he lost, and realizing now that God had showed up in that place in an incredible way. And now as an inflection point, as going forward and being afraid again of what this means because uh, he, he's not certain how this fits into his life. He's not sure how where God is leading him next fits into the, into the big picture. But looking back on how things didn't fit before and how God worked it out through His grace, he now has the courage and faith as God encourages him and says, don't be afraid, I took care of you before, I'll take care of you again. Jacob now has a, a, a faith in his arsenal or accounts from the past that will carry him in faith forward. And so the Lord says, don't be afraid. It's also a, a reminder that he can go forward even though he's not sure of where the path may lead. And so the Lord may be asking you to step out in faith and go forward in something that you're very uncomfortable about. The Lord may have asked you or invited you to come into and walk into a, a particular relationship with Him and step out in faith in Him. And you're not sure if you have the capacity. You're not sure if you have the means. You're not sure if you have the abilities. And God is saying, I have been faithful to you in the past and I will be faithful to you again. And so uh, uh, Jacob is in this position um, where he has some decisions to make. God says, take your whole family, just like God said to Abraham many, many generations ago, take your whole family. Now, Jacob has, uh, uh, you know, some things he has to process. Do I take my whole family and, and jeopardize potentially uh, uh, the intermarrying or, or, or losing our essence as a people. Uh, uh, what if something negative befalls us? Should I hedge? Should I leave a few of my family members in Canaan? Or should I absolutely trust and, and, and take everyone and my whole line and family down to Egypt? Um, how does this fit in? How, uh, Lord, you said you're going to bless me and make me into my own nation. This is a promise you had given to our family. How does going to a nation uh, much bigger and much larger and much more influential uh, uh, geopolitically and, and, and their practices and their culture are, are looked up upon, you know, all peoples of the world. How am I possibly going to convince my children that their God and that our ways is better? And so all sorts of concerns. Not only that, but, but I remember stories of my grandfather going there and all sorts of uh, strife and trouble going there. How do I know that they're not just going to enslave us and, and trouble and befall? And so uh, uh, Jacob, as, as the uh, uh, father of his whole clan, has some serious questions to, to uh, think about. As do you when the Lord asks you to step out of faith, when the Lord asks you uh, to believe in it and trust it. We, we have all sorts of thoughts. We have all, all sorts of human calculations and, and hedging. And, and, and I'll give God... You know, I'll say I give God my all in all in my heart, but actually I'm, I'm, I have a little safety net here and, and I have plans and provisions just in case God doesn't show up. Right? I trust in you, God, and I'll absolutely follow you, but just in case you don't show up, I got this other plan. And, and, and if you know, there's a threshold, everyone has a threshold. Everyone has a line. Everyone has a, I'll follow you up to this point. But Lord, don't mess with my family and don't mess with my kids. 
Okay, if any harm befalls them, then I don't know that I can trust you, then I don't know that I can follow you. Right, it's, it's a mutual uh, beneficial relationship. Uh, but I believe every believer needs to get to that place and point where uh, everything you have to be willing to put on the line. God has to know that he is number one above your wife, above your husband, above your children. That doesn't mean we neglect. I, obviously not. We, we, we give our best. Um, but th- those tests are there. And I, I don't mean to scare you guys or anything like that. <laughs> you know, it's between you and God. Um, but, but I believe every believer, every son and daughter of the Most High, at some point has to come to the place where, at least for me, Lord, I thank you. Everything that I have is from you. I'm a steward. I will certainly give my best to raise up. But ultimately, they're in your hands. Their lives, their futures, their health, how long they live, all that I have no control over. I'll give my best, and I'll, and I'll give thanks to you, God, for every day that I have with them. Um, but that's something uh, um, I believe the Lord wants to uh, uh, meet with you in your hearts before him. Um, and so uh, how does this fit? Um, you know, when I had left at the ripe old age of uh, 29, um, so this is 15 years ago, as a missionary, uh, from my home church, having lived 29, 30 years in, in, in the U.S., the vision that, or the mission that I believe God had given me was to uh, uh, go to North Korea and evangelize North Korea, uh, to be a missionary to North Korea. And I remember in my mission support letter, uh, the closing states, statements were, this is what I believe God has given me, this is the commitment I'm making, this is where I believe He's leading me, to the border of North Korea and China, and, and I wrote on the very bottom, I said, but I write all these plans and, and envisioning and what I believe God has given me, I write it in pencil, not in pen. I, I had actually typed it out, it was printed, but I, it was just figurative. I, I write it in pencil and not in pen because God can change anything. This is what I believe He's given me, but I give God the absolute right to change the narrative. Um, I think a good picture of what it looks like when you first encounter God and when God gives you a word or a vision, you know, uh, for example, I'm going to bless you and make you a great nation. Okay, that's Abraham. I, I feel like in, in my mind, a good depiction in my experience from scriptures and dealing in interactions with uh, intimacy with God is that when God makes a promise like that, it's like a big chunk of stone. Boom. And uh, God says, here you go. I promise I'm going to make you a great nation. And then, and then uh, uh, um, Isaac is born to him. And I feel like a huge chunk is chiseled out of that, but it's still relatively just a clump of stone. And then Jacob is birthed, and then his narrative is himself and, and Joseph, and then and, and a little bit more detail. And and uh, the promise of God oftentimes is, is it seems very big and very lofty, but as you walk with Him through the seasons or generations through your family, but through you uh, uh, personally through the seasons, I think God chisels away, and as He chisels away, you begin he get, it begins to form, and you begin to get a sense of uh, more details and clarity, and then ultimately. Uh, through time and through age and through experiences, you begin to see the full picture. And the full picture in the end is not always exactly what you envisioned it or even the process of what you thought God would do in your life. And so you have to give God some room. You have to give God room to do what only He can do. And you have to trust Him even through the, the hurdles and the speed bumps and the barriers. And that God is forming something. And so... Uh, um, 
often from, from Northeast China having lived there for three years and knowing that initially and God had put this heart and I still have this heart to minister to North Korea. I still want the people of my, of, of my country, of my father's birthplace in North Korea to, to know Christ. I still want to contribute. I still want to uh, 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 impact and, and be used in that way. And so when, when the Lord had called us to go to Beijing, I really struggled with that. Um, this is actually before uh, coming into uh, a relationship with SP Hong Kong. Um, we were there for about a year. And, and after about three years of doing ministry with uh, North Korean refugees, uh, um, it, it was very clear that that season, or at least with this particular organization that I was working with, was coming to an end. And so I had gone to Beijing. This is before we had uh, uh, gotten uh, pregnant with Micah and before we moved to Hong Kong. And, and, I, and I struggle and I say, God, how does this fit into the plan? How, how does uh, uh, my serving North Korea work from being in Beijing? And so for that year that we were in Beijing, uh, I actually made a couple trips to Pyongyang in North Korea. And, and I try to work with orphanages and I try to work with officials and, and try to create ministry. And, and everywhere I went, there was blockage. There was closure. I, I couldn't get breakthrough. Uh, there were delays. And so I really felt like the Lord said to put that on the table or on the shelf for now and just wait on Him. And that was really difficult to do, to trust and wait on Him, not knowing how this fit in. And then we were called to go to uh, uh, Hong Kong and serve as a CM pastor. And then from there, we were called back to Beijing. Uh, when we were in Beijing, I, I felt a conviction that, okay, uh, 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 Korean U.S. passport holders can't go into North Korea. South Korean passport holders can't go into North Korea. Uh, uh, the Chinese can flood the gates of North Korea uh, through commerce uh, uh, undercover Christians and they would come in under the radar and no one would know. So I, I took that as a personal mandate to raise up a church and disciples and believers and church planting in, in China through Beijing, various. And, and I knew that somehow, some way, I hope I would see it in my lifetime. But even if I didn't, I knew that the Chinese Christian businessmen one day would, would impact and go into North Korea and, and, and bring about the gospel. I absolutely believe in that. So, and so I, I you know, believe that God must have had a plan. Even though I felt like I was going further away from the promise or further away from the mission, I, I felt like God had meaning and purpose. And then uh, when we were asked to come to Singapore after Beijing, I, uh, you know, many questions, many processes, many fleeces, many prayers. But even then, certainly because I had left my family and my home when I was 29, I, I, I didn't understand how Singapore played any part in, in evangelizing or, or, or ministering to North Korea. And I remember the first like, few months I had come here, I, I met John and, and he had an interest in NK and we had a couple of mutual friends and, and that really excited me. Well, you know, fast forward four and a half years later, um, just connecting the dots, uh, Jin Kang, who was a 19-year-old boy who works for FCA, you guys have heard him? He was 19 years old during the three years that I was living in Northeast China. He was the one guy uh, uh, that I had the privilege of, you know, uh, uh, leading to Christ personally. Fast forward some 15 years later, and Jin Kang now receiving financial support from Solomon Sports Singapore uh, through the missions committee in 2018. We had given some funding for 2019. And he leads a soccer camp with FCA evangelizing and bringing the gospel through the coaches and relationships and their lifestyle into North Korea. A direct correlation of the gospel and the kingdom of God coming into North Korea in capacities that I never could. Language barriers, political barriers, cultural barriers. 
And uh, I mean, to me, when I, when I saw the photos that Jin had sent me from North Korea of the ministry that was happening to young children, you know, I think like 40, 50, hundreds with volunteers and, and people, I was just so blown away that in this one sliver of a way that God was in fact ministering and moving in North Korea, maybe not directly, but indirectly through relationships and through Jin Kang. And I thought that that was so incredible. And I think that God is not done. And I think that God will continue to minister through the various churches that he's moved in. And so you may not always understand how a particular five-year span in your life fits into everything. It may feel like uh, uh, this is what God said and this is the way you should be going, but it may feel like you're going backwards. right? And we see that in Joseph, we see that in Jacob, and and God is asking Jacob to go to Egypt. Don't worry about what happened. And now we know uh, uh, through the scriptures that eventually after 400 years, uh, uh, they do become enslaved and a lot of hardship does befall them. Um, But God delivers them. God brings them out of Egypt. They did endure certainly uh, uh, some difficulty and strain, but God absolutely is faithful. God, in fact, tells him that you're going to go through hardships. Uh, There's going to be blessing and then there's going to be hardships but I will be with you and I will deliver you. And that's something that we can be reminded of today. There will be blessings and there will absolutely be hardships, but God's promise is that He will always be with you and God's promise is that ultimately He will see you to the end. Amen. Let's bow our heads. This morning, I'd like to invite you, uh, uh, like Jacob, so many many thousands and generations and years ago. I'd like to invite you as we're nearing the end of our fast to come to this reflection point before God and to think upon the one or two places where you had encountered God in the past. The places where He showed up when you least expected Him. I got to tell you, I have been so encouraged by your faith. Like when I see you guys come, uh, man, I I just see your desire for God. And and, and I got to thank you again even further because many of you have encouraged me. Many of you have come up to me personally and said, thank you for the teaching. Thank you for the word. Uh, It's spoken to me in this way. And and truly and genuinely, I I receive it with all my heart. I'm, I'm really grateful But can I tell you something? And I really believe this, and I'm not just saying this, it's more you than it is me. I I, I preach the the message all the time. And and I seek the heart of God all the time, and I convey the heart of God all the time. Maybe sometimes a little better than whatnot, and maybe intensity and, and, and my fasting. But can I tell you that it's more you than me? I believe that you are encountering God and you are hearing God and you're experiencing God simply because you are hungering after God. Right? What you're doing is no simple feat. I mean, you are fasting. You're laying things on the line. You're you're, you're giving up your evenings. You're giving up even uh, to a degree quality family time so that you can meet with God. And I'm telling you, God sees it and God honors it. And so your 
desire for Him, that capacity has opened up the capacity for you to hear Him. And so I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for stepping out in faith and believing that God wants to meet with you. Believing that if you were to trouble yourself to a degree, that God would bless you in that way and that you would hear Him and He would minister to you. And so let today be a reflection point for the one or two places where absolutely you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you had encountered God, that God had met with you, that God was faithful. doesn't matter what's happening today. doesn't matter what your worries are about tomorrow. You know that God was faithful. He met you in that place. Then if I could encourage you to go back like Jacob, Isaac, Abraham, oftentimes Bethel, Beersheba would go back and remember to take the faith of that place and to project it forward. And the places in 2020 where you are worried, the concerns and fears where you are afraid to move forward where God may be asking you and saying, come on, come with me. Remember when I was faithful there? Man, I will walk with you. I'm not saying there won't be trouble, but I will be with you in that fire. And to give God faith, to trust and believe that He will do it again. Amen? And then to walk out in 2020 in the next 10 years with absolute faith and confidence that no matter what comes my way, no matter how the year starts, no matter where I am in the middle, no matter where it is in the end, I know that my resurrected living Christ lives in me and the battle has already been won. Amen? Amen. He will walk with us. Just spend a few moments and after a little bit, then I'll ask the worship team to lead us.